This is the first Sunday of Epiphany, and it's also the Baptism of the Lord Sunday. So we're going to be talking about the Baptism of Jesus Christ today. This is one of those God weeks at our house, and the sermon today sort of reflects those things that happened, those events that lined up perfectly with what was happening in the Scripture today. So sometimes it happens. Three events this week, three things that sort of just went off, an epiphany, if you will, since we're in the season of epiphany. The first event was Wednesday night. At our catechism class, we talked about baptism and what baptism is and what baptism is not. And what one of the questions that came up was, do we have any direct authority over our baptism? When I tell you the class is deep, the class is deep, right? This is one of those questions where you go, huh. I have to think about this. It's profound. A powerful truth. Do we have any real authority over our baptism or not? So I would love to hear from the adults. Who's, I would love to hear from the adults. Whose action saves us through our baptism? Is it yours? Is it the minister's? Or is it God's? God, right? Most of us come to the sort of uh, come to sort of the agreement that it's God's action in baptism that's that's working. It's not our action. It's not the minister's action. It's God's action. The second event was Friday night at our family Bible devotional. Each study, we read a story from the book from the book the Bible, and this story was Noah and the ark. Who saves Noah? If you go back to Genesis 6, 17 through 18, understand that I am bringing a flood, the flood waters on the earth to destroy every creature under heaven with breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your son's wife, son's wives. Who saves Noah? God. God saves Noah in the ark. Baptism and the flood are going to be connected here really soon. The last event was that same Friday night. We have a, a family catechism that we ask one question a night, and the question this Friday night was, can you save yourself? Do you have any way to save yourself? Can you save yourself from the way of sin and death? Is there anything that any one of us can do to save ourselves or to save others around us? And the answer is, no. I have no power to save myself or anyone around me. Only God can save me. It's funny how these things all line up, right? Only God can save you. Only God can save me. You can't save anyone else. This is why John the Baptist has such an issue with Jesus coming to him. He says, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. In verses 13 through 14, he says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him, but John tried to stop him, 
saying, I need to be baptized by you, John understood the correct order of things, the correct way of things. John cannot save Jesus. John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. He realizes the correct order of things. He is not God. He understands this perfectly. John says, I am not God. He is merely a servant of God, a prophet of God. And Jesus answered him, allow it for now. I love that. Allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. The word that John uses, the word that John uses here is consent. It carries a a, a legal image about releasing one from the responsibility of. Jesus is saying, do you consent? Can you offer your consent? He's not doing this action on behalf of himself. He's doing this action on behalf of somebody else on behalf of God. And we see this as the scripture continues. Let's see the result of what happens. Go back again to Genesis 7, 16. I'm sorry I'm skipping back and forth in your Bible today. Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. We see a result of what happens when when there's this sort of agreement, consent. Genesis 7, 16. Those who entered, male and female of every creature, entered just as God had commanded him talking about Noah, then the Lord shut them in. Who closed the ark? God did. Humanity consented, Noah and his family consented to God's saving action. God protected. Humanity consented and God protected. It was humility that allowed Noah the consent to say, Your will be done, and God protected. At the very end of the flood, if you turn to Genesis 8, 12, Noah sends out a bird that doesn't return. Does anybody know what that bird was that does not come back? No. A dove. He sends out a dove, and it doesn't come back. Do you know when the dove does come back? It's amazing how the Bible works. The dove descends on Jesus like God from above. The dove returns in the story at Christ's baptism. The dove that was sent that never returned comes back. After he waited another seven days in Genesis 8, 12, he sent out a dove, but it did not return to him again. The image we have at Christ's baptism, Matthew 3, 16, when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens opened up for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove down on him. The dove returns. God's covenant and promise is fulfilled. Here is God's plan for salvation. Here is the promise realized all the way back from Genesis 8. The proper answer to the question is we are part of God's plan in ways that we say yes and give glory to God's work in our lives. I love this picture you'll find in St. John's Bible. The St. John's Bible was a project undertaken recently to sort of create a new medieval Bible. 
So they uh, went back and sort of illuminated a manuscript, just like they would do in, in medieval times, and they, they created this, this Bible that was illuminated. It's called the St. John's Bible. And this image here, I'm not sure if you can see it super well, is John the Baptist, and he's walking away from Christ's baptism. And in the background, in the far background, we see Christ is in gold, and he's right in the center of the crowd. And all around him, the dove is coming down out of the sky. And we see John the Baptist in the foreground, and he's almost walking towards us. He's walking away from this scene of Jesus in the background just after the baptism. It was after Jesus' baptism, and he's walking away, and his hand is outstretched like this, empty. And he's leaving. And if you notice in the scripture, John the Baptist doesn't come back in the story. He realizes he realizes that his work is done. Humility and consent. He said yes to what God was doing in his life. He said yes to Jesus so that it could be the right way. And then he gets out of the way of the picture to see what God is doing next. To see what Jesus is going to do next. I think this is kind of our posture as well as people that, that we're here not, not as people that, that know the way, but we're here as people who say yes to what God is doing. We're willing to give consent for God to work in our lives. And then we sometimes have to get out of God's way or get out of our own way, right? To let God work. And that's hard, right? That's hard for people to think, I can do this myself. I, don't, I, I can do everything I want to do on my own. I don't need anybody. But, but the picture here is, is this posture of humility and grace being willing to say yes to God and then allow God his glory to be seen by all those around him. So that's not my will or my action, but, but God's will. And God's plan and God's work that is going on in our lives. And maybe that's the lesson for us to learn today is that we don't have to have it all figured out. We just have to be willing to listen and follow and go where he sends us. Mm-hmm.